0: Welcome everybody. It's good to see you. I'm Clay. I'm actually am one of the pastors here and uh, we're really glad that you guys uh, are taking a little part of your weekend to spend it with us. And we're going to start off with a quiz. Uh, So take a look at these numbers uh, up on the screen here. What do these numbers have in common? Anybody know? The Mets. Those are the years that the Mets have been in or will be in the World Series. And the two bolded ones are the ones that they won the uh, World Series. I wish Joe Narciso were here. He could tell us like all the slogans and everything uh, for, for the different Mets. But um, if you're a Yankees fan, you're like five times in the World Series, you know, you'd need like three screens to fill up the 40 different times that the Yankees uh, were in the World Series, winning it 27 times. And so they're kind of like sitting there whatever, you know, Mets fans. But hey, to be a Mets fan, you really have to be uh, faithful. You've got to be able to stick with it through, through thick and thin. And uh, my friend Joe puts it this way. He says, being a Mets fan is like being a Christian. It takes an enormous amount of faith, you know? actually i would say it takes a lot more faith to be a mets fan than it takes to be a christian because jesus is a whole lot more faithful and reliable than the mets are but i'm rooting for the mets uh, those of you who have been diehard mets fans down through the years you know you're the mets faithful uh, i used to be a mets fan when i was growing up 1969 1973 you know et cetera. i kind of lost the faith for a while but uh i guess i'm not really faithful i'm more of an opportunist uh, this year But I will be rooting for the Mets and I'm excited that they've made it uh, into the World Series this year again for for the fifth time. But this morning we are going to be talking about faithfulness. We're going to be looking at this question of what does it mean to be faithful and how can can we grow in faithfulness? Uh, And we've been doing a series of messages that we're calling In Control. We're looking at what is life like when God is in control of our lives, when we're trusting in Him. And looking to him and having faith in him and seeing him work in us and through us to change us, to exhibit more and more of the character of Jesus Christ. And this concept of the fruit of the Spirit comes from a letter that uh, one of the leaders of the early church, a guy named uh, Paul, who we refer to as the Apostle Paul, a letter that he wrote to some followers of Jesus in the region of the, uh, of the world that was called Galatia at that time. And in Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 22, Paul writes, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and then today's concept, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, Paul says, there is no law. No one can object when people are faithful. It's a good characteristics, it's a good quality that we all ought to or at least all want to uh, exhibit. And faithfulness involves the idea of being loyal uh, to a person or a cause. It's uh, a faithful person is someone whom we can trust, uh, whom we can rely on. Uh, And that's why we like dogs, you know, dogs are, are faithful, Mets fans, real Mets fans are faithful. And, but when we think of faithfulness, we typically think of like dogs as being faithful. We think of Mets fans as as being faithful. It's not as attractive to us as we might want it to be. Why? Because sometimes it costs us to be faithful. And so it's something that's attractive to us, mostly in other people. And yes, we want to be faithful, but when it gets challenging for us, to to be trustworthy or to be loyal or to keep the promises that we've made. When it gets difficult to do that, then sometimes our our faithfulness goes out the window. An author and humorist named uh, Jared Kintz puts it this way. He says, I'll stand by you forever, or at least until noon, and then I'll go stand under the cabana. You know, isn't love amazing? I love you. I'll stand by you. I'll be there with you, but when it gets too hot, when the sun is too high in the sky, I'm gonna go stand in the shade because it's too difficult, it's inconvenient. It costs me too much to be faithful to you. Dr. Seuss wrote a book called Horton Hatches the Egg, and if you've got kids or if you uh, are well-versed in children's literature, you remember the story of Horton the Elephant, Horton is tricked by a bird named Maisie to sit on her eggs so that she can fly off and go on vacation in uh, in Palm Beach. And Horton's exposed to all of the elements, you know, the rain, the snow, the wind, the hail, all of that. He's ridiculed by all of his friends. He's captured by hunters. He has to go on this long sea voyage. And he finally ends up being the main attraction uh, in a zoo. And so he's going through all these difficulties, all these struggles, All of this so that he can stay faithful to the promise he made even though he was deceived into sitting on that egg. And over and over and over again, Horton says, I meant what I said, I said what I meant. And elephant's faithful 100%. And we teach that to our kids. We want our kids to be faithful. We want them to make promises and keep promises. But when it gets challenging, It's difficult for us to be faithful 100%. But imagine living in a world in which everybody were faithful, in which everybody kept the promises that they made, in which you could rely on everybody you know, in which you could trust people because you knew that they were going to be there when you needed them. And the problem is it doesn't work that way in the real world, and that's when... When we really begin to appreciate faithfulness is when in some sense it's taken away from us. So for example, we expect the trains to run on schedule. We expect the power, the internet to be working 24 seven. We expect other people to show up on time and to keep their commitments to us. But it doesn't always happen because life isn't always the way it is in a Dr. Seuss uh, book. You know, th- so the trains are late and we're inconvenienced by that. The power goes out, as it's done on a number of occasions. It seems to do that at the end of October, you know? The power goes out, and you're without power for a week, and you're cold, and it's dark, and you're uncomfortable as a result of that. Someone stands us up, and we're annoyed because we made plans, and we scheduled things, and we changed our plans so that we could meet that person for lunch or dinner or whatever it is, and you're there at the restaurant, and they don't show up, and you get annoyed in that situation. Or a loved one actually betrays us. Somebody to whom we entrusted our entire lives betrays us, and then we feel like our lives are just crumbling around us and we're devastated as a result of their unfaithfulness. And those are some of the realities of living life in an imperfect world with imperfect people. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think we'd all have to admit that we're no different than anybody else. We want to be faithful, we want to be loyal, we want to be trustworthy people upon whom others can rely, but we don't always live like it. So we're late to appointments. We break our promises. We renege on a commitment when someone offers us tickets to a a sold-out Broadway show. Yeah, I intended to go to your dinner party, but hey, come on. I've got tickets to this show that I didn't think I was gonna be able to get. So I'm not faithful to that commitment that I made. We give up on relationships when they turn out to be more difficult than we expected them to be. And we make choices and we make those choices in the moment. And we make those decisions in the moment. And sometimes, rather than choosing to be loyal, rather than choosing to be faithful, rather than choosing to fulfill the commitments we've made, We choose what's convenient. We choose what's less costly. I got a better offer. I have a better opportunity. And so I consciously and willingly make a choice to be unfaithful. And yeah, there are times the train is late, and so I can't get to the meeting on time. Okay, fair enough. Sometimes there are circumstances beyond our control. But other times, if we're honest, we have to admit it, we actually choose to be unfaithful. We want to be those people whom other people can trust and rely on, but it's not always as easy as it sounds. And as I was thinking about this, these past couple of weeks, as I was praying about it, a passage in the Bible came to my mind that's actually pretty unusual because it's a time in Jesus' life where Jesus is struggling with this issue of faithfulness. We don't usually think of Jesus as having struggles to be faithful, as having struggles to do the right thing. But there was a situation in Jesus' life where he came pretty close to being unfaithful, to not keeping a commitment that he had made to his heavenly Father. And it occurred the night before he was crucified Jesus and His disciples, His followers, his, his closest friends, had just finished celebrating the Passover meal. And the Passover meal was, interestingly, a meal where they were remembering, where they were celebrating God's faithfulness to the people of Israel in fulfilling a promise that He had made to them to bring them out of slavery in Egypt. And so Jesus is celebrating this meal with his disciples and he knows that the next day he's going to be crucified. He knows that the next day he's going to die and he doesn't want that to happen. And so he's struggling with this. And I want to pick up the action right after they finish their meal. Jesus says to his followers, he says, "This very night all of you are going to fall away on account of me." Peter who is one of Jesus' closest friends, replies to him. He says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. But Peter declares, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the exact same thing. So watch the scene here. Jesus is with his closest friends, 12 men who he has spent pretty much every day with, for the last three, three and a half years. These are the guys whom Jesus trusted, whom he poured his life into them for a period of about three or three and a half years. And he knows that before that night is over, every one of those 12 is going to desert desert him. He actually knows one of them, Judas Iscariot, is going to betray him into the hands of the Jewish religious authorities. Peter's gonna deny him and the rest are gonna flee. And Jesus knows this, he predicts this, he says this to them and yet all of them say, no way, I'm not gonna be unfaithful. I'm gonna stick with you no matter what. Then Jesus, after dinner, went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, just sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. It's so... It's, it's so difficult. It's almost impossible to, to capture the depth of what's going on here at this point. Jesus knows that in a few short hours, he's going to be hanging on a cross, going through what's perhaps the greatest physical anguish that any human being can go through, and he doesn't want to go through that physical pain. But even worse than that, is the spiritual and the emotional pain that Jesus knows that he's going to be going through. See, he's had this perfect relationship with his heavenly father for all of eternity, an unbroken relationship, a perfect unity with his father that none of us has ever experienced with any human being, a closeness and intimacy that we can barely begin to to imagine. And Jesus knows that when He's going to be hanging on that cross for those three hours, His relationship with His Father is going to be severed. That relationship is going to be broken. And not only that, His Father is going to pour out on Him the wrath, the punishment for the sins of of His followers who are going to end up being unfaithful to Him for the sins of you, for, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world. Jesus doesn't deserve what he's about to get. And he's dreading it, and he's saying, Father, I don't want to go through this. I don't want this. Is there any way that I don't have to go through this? And and, and he says, my soul is in anguish, even to the point of death. The anguish, the pain, the 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 mental angst that he's going through is almost killing him. And some of us have been through challenges like that where we'd rather die than live another day because of what's going on in our lives. And yet Jesus is looking at the death he's about to die and he's saying I don't want to do it. Is there any way that we can stop this? He's Ready to give up because the cost is too great. And that's hard for us to understand because we've got this idea in our minds that is absolutely correct that Jesus is perfect, that he never sinned and he never did. But he was tempted, just like we are. He was tempted to be unfaithful to the commitment that he made. And yet, he was willing to go through it in spite of all of the challenges, all of the difficulties all of the pain, all of the anguish. So he returns to his disciples and he finds them asleep. And he says, couldn't you men keep watch with me for for just one hour? Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know you want to stick with me, but you're weak and you're going to fall away. Jesus had asked his disciples to pray for him. He said, just stay here and pray while I go over there. And he comes back and they're taking a nap. I mean, it wasn't like he asked them to do something incredibly difficult. And yet they were unwilling to remain faithful to him because they were tired. And yeah, we get it. They're tired. But come on, couldn't they stick with him and be faithful to him just for that short period of time. And this happens three times. Three times Jesus goes off and prays. Each time he says, Father, I don't wanna do this. Yet, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Each time he comes back and he finds his disciples are asleep. And then a little while later, Jesus is, is betrayed by Judas, he's arrested, And all of his disciples desert him. They flee. They take off. A couple of hours earlier, they had said, man, we're going to stick with you. I don't care what you say. We are loyal. We are faithful. And he says, no, that's not the way it's going to end up being. And sure enough, Jesus is right. They desert him. And then just a few hours after that, Peter says, I don't know who that guy is. I never seen him before. I don't know who you're talking about. And Peter, who protested more than anybody else, I'm going to stick with you, Jesus. Peter says, I have no clue who Jesus is, but in spite of all of that, in spite of what was going to happen the next day when he was crucified, in spite of all of his friends friends deserting him and being unfaithful to him, Jesus decides to be faithful. He chooses to be faithful to his heavenly father. He chooses to be faithful to God. He chooses to be faithful to his friends, to the disciples, and he chooses to be faithful to us because if Jesus had not done what He had said He was going to do. If He had not been willing to go to the cross, if He had not been willing to bear the punishment for our sins, then we'd have absolutely no hope. If Jesus had not been faithful, then we'd have absolutely no hope of a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Galatians that we read from earlier, wrote a letter, a couple of letters, actually, to a guy named Timothy. And he says about Jesus, he says, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. Even though we're faithless, even though we're not loyal to him, he remains loyal to us. Why? Because he can't disown himself. Jesus is not faithful to his Father and to us because we're faithful. His faithfulness is not a response to our character. His faithfulness is based on his character. It's based on who he is. It's not based on what we've done. That's why he sacrificed himself for us. His faithfulness depends on his character, It depends on his ability, and it doesn't depend on our character. It doesn't depend, depend on our ability. This past January, We chose a verse to be our our year verse here at Renaissance. It's actually been up on the wall uh, for the past uh, nine, nine and a half, ten months now. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly, without wavering, completely faithfully to the hope that we profess, to the hope that we have, that if we're... Trusting in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, that we will be able to spend eternity with him in a place that is so much better than this broken, fallen world that's populated with people who are just like us, who sometimes we can trust and sometimes we can't. But we can always trust Christ. Why? Because he's faithful to the promises that he's made. Other other people may break their promises, I may break my promises, you may break your promises, but God never will. And because He's faithful, we can have hope. Paul says in, in Galatians, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. He's saying faithfulness is fruit of the Spirit of God in our lives, we sometimes think of faithfulness as something that we conjure up within ourselves that if we try harder and harder if we listen to motivational speakers if we work as hard as we can we can become more and more and more faithful there's a little bit of truth in that yes we can grow and we can develop faithfulness but ultimately we can't create faithfulness in ourselves Paul says it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a result of God's Spirit working in our lives. It's not as much a result of our efforts as it is a result of, the, of, of God's Holy Spirit working in our lives. And as I was looking at this passage these, these past couple of weeks, I noticed something that I hadn't seen before as I was looking at it. When you see that word for faithfulness, when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, the Greek word that's translated as faithfulness is the exact same Greek word that most of the time in the New Testament is translated as faith. So, we could almost say the fruit of the Spirit is faith. And in English, we see the connection between faith and faithfulness, but we don't normally think of it as a connection between faith and faithfulness. But I think Paul chose that particular wording in order to help us to see that connection. So, in some sense, we can see faithfulness as being full of faith. If we are people of faith, if we are people who have faith in Christ and what He's done, then that's going to be borne out in our lives as faithfulness in our relationships, in our commitments to one another, and as well in our relationships and our commitments to God. Jesus trusted, had faith in, His heavenly Father. So, he's willing to go to the cross in spite of the cross. And so, his faith, his trust in his heavenly Father led to his faithfulness to do what he had promised that he was going to do. And the same thing is true in our lives. As we grow in faith, as we grow in our trust in God, we're going to grow in faithfulness in our lives, in our relationships with other people. So, when it gets difficult when we're presented with other options, when the cost becomes too great, the more we're trusting in God, the more that we're trusting in what Christ has done for us, the more we're going to be able to keep the commitments that we've made, even though they're going to cost us in various times. As we reflect on, as we meditate on, as we consider, as we pray about, as we think about, The faithfulness of Christ, as we think about what must it have been like for him that night when he's praying in the garden, deserted by all of his friends, dreading what's going to happen the next day, as we reflect on that and realize Christ's incredible faithfulness, his incredible love for us, that's going to strengthen our faith in him. And his spirit is going to work in us to enable us to grow in our faithfulness. So faithfulness isn't the fruit so much of our hard work as it is the fruit of the Spirit of God working in our lives. And the more we trust in Him, the more He's able to work in our lives and the more faithful that we're going to become. So again, we think about the things that we hope in, the things that we rely on in this world. The Mets, I don't know if they're gonna win the World Series. I hope they do, but they might not. The trains, I hope that they're on time. When I go into the city to meet somebody, I hope that they're on time, but they aren't always on time. I can't always rely on them. I expect that when I go home today, the power's gonna be on in my house. The internet's gonna be working. My files is going to be working so that I can watch the Dallas Cowboys this afternoon. You know, I hope, I expect that to be the case, but I can't always rely on it. I trust my friends. I trust my loved ones. I hope, I pray. I trust that they're going to be there when I need them. And most of the time they are, but not always. Sometimes they hurt they hurt us, they betray us, they let us down, and we're crushed, we're devastated. But there's one person who's always reliable. There's one person who's always trustworthy. There's one person who's always faithful, that no matter how sinful I am, no matter how faithless I am, no matter how unfaithful I am, no matter how many times I do exactly what I know I ought not to do, he remains faithful. He's always there. He's the only person whom I can count on to be there when I need him. And he proved it. He proved it by being willing to go to the cross. He proved it by not saying, forget it, it's too difficult, it's too much, I can't do this. He proved it by trusting in His heavenly Father. He proved it by sacrificing Himself for me, for you, when we were unfaithful to Him. And He proved it by rising from the dead, just as he had promised. If somebody can predict their own death and predict their own resurrection, outrageous claims, I'm gonna die, and I'm gonna rise again. If somebody can predict their own death and their resurrection, they are absolutely trustworthy that's a person in whom I can have faith. And that's who Jesus is. And as I reflect on His faithfulness, as I reflect on His character, as I reflect on His competence, on His ability, on His love, on His grace, my faith in Him grows. And as my faith in Him grows. My ability to exhibit faithfulness not just to Him, but to all those around me grows as well. And so my encouragement, my challenge to all of us is let's take the time this afternoon and throughout the week to stop in the midst of all of the busyness of our lives and just reflect on the simple truth that we have a God, that we have a savior who was willing to be faithful, who was willing to sacrifice himself for us, not because we deserved it, not because we were faithful to him, but because that's the kind of God whom he is. And ask him to work in your life to strengthen both your faith in him and your faithfulness To the people around you, to the commitments that you've made. Ask Him to work through His Spirit in your life to help you to become more and more and more like Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You. I thank You that on that night at Gethsemane, You were willing to be faithful, that even though You knew exactly what was going to happen the next day, all the pain, the separation from your Father, the physical pain, the mental, emotional, and spiritual pain that you knew that you were going to go through. I thank you that you were willing to be faithful, to sacrifice yourself for me for all of us, that we could be restored to a right relationship with your Father and with, with our Father. And I pray that you would prompt us this week to reflect on these things, to keep our focus on you. And as we do, I pray that our faith in you would grow. And as our faith in you grows, I pray that your spirit would work in us to develop more and more that faithfulness in us that's, that's an exhibition of your character, that's a reflection of your character in our lives. And I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your great love for us. And I pray that you would develop in us that same character that you've exhibited. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.